Tea is hot. And the takes are hotter. I'm Erin. And I'm Evangeline. And today, I believe we are going to shake, rattle, and roll to some rock and roll. Is that Yeah, correct? today we're going to talk about rock and roll. Uh, we've talked about a few different styles before. If you haven't gone back and listened, we have um, pop, uh, country, R&B, and rap thus far. And um, I've noticed I noticed a pattern with this, which I was not intentional at all, but I noticed after the first couple episodes. Um, like, you and I have traded off, you know, kind of mm-hmm. taking the lead on certain episodes of the different genres. And so far, we have pretty much taken the genre that is most commonly associated with our respective yeah, race. that's true. Like, I took rap, and then you did country, and then I did R&B, and I think you did pop. And so, and it's like, but I think that it's appropriate that we're doing rock, though, because I feel like rock has heavy associations with both. Yeah. Like, it came from the black community and then now is more associated with the white, white community. community. We're going to get into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that that was an accident, definitely. Yeah. But <laughs> but we uh, did end up that way. And But I honestly have learned so much from the series just doing research and learning about these different genres, and I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, you know, rock is a genre that a lot of people are familiar with, but it has so many different variations. And I found that definitely as we were, as I was researching this episode. Um, And so I'm going to give a disclaimer here, like this is not going to dive into every different part of rock. And my intention with this is to kind of give an overview of different rock styles, how rock came to be what it is today. And, um, kind of give you an idea of what bands you may have heard of are part of which genre and why they're important. Um, I'm not going to get into metal. So anybody who's a metalhead, like I don't have a lot of information on that today. I was wondering about that. It's such a whole separate genre. I'm not even really going to, going to go into it because I want to do it justice. You know, if we, if we do an episode on that. Um, So this is really going to be how rock and roll turned into rock proper Um, because it kind of was two different things and it, and the rock and roll led into rock. Um, so the term rock and roll originated in the 50s, and it involved to include rock on the international level over the years. Um, but uh, even before that, the term rocking and rolling was used to describe a ship on the ocean. Um, and then it kind of became used for like the movement of like uh, black churches um, in worship when they're clapping their hands and and all of that. And then also, uh, some people use it as a sexual analogy as well. <laughs> but um, Or white dads who leave in restaurants say, let's rock and roll. roll. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> this term was used on um, R&B recordings intermittently during the 40s. And if you listen to our last episode, you'll know it was originally called race music. Mm-hmm. So it was way back, you know, like very early, they started to, to talk about it. The earliest you know, song that had the name rock and roll in the title was Rock and Roll by the Boswell sisters from 1934 wow um rock really began in the south which a lot of great musical styles began in the south yeah (laughs) um the a lot of scholars have noted that it's the african african musical tradition merged with european instrumentation and that often happened the, the styles come together when there's differing groups of people living in similar places so uh urban centers like big cities often have black communities and white communities living in close proximity. And so that's where, you know, jazz uh, and blues meeting with other more traditional kind of European uh, song styles, especially even country. Uh, When all of these styles met up together in the South, then uh, that's where kind of rock and roll came out of. Um, You know, uh, white musicians were taking elements of jazz and swing uh, uh, and rebranding it a little bit. 
some people believe that it was like a rebranding while others feel it was like a fusion. I think that there's elements of both. There's truth to both of those ideas. Um, in the 30s, jazz began to be presented to white audiences um, by people like Jimmy Rogers and Big Joe Turner. And then you will remember in the 40s, there's like that very classic 40s big band sound with horns and kind of Glenn shouting. Kind of thing. What do you say? The Glenn Miller kind of stuff. Yeah, sound. Glenn Miller, uh, shouted lyrics, boogie woogie, that kind of like dance yeah. sort of stuff. Um, and one thing I didn't know was that during and after World War II, large jazz bands became less economical. Um, and so smaller bands featuring like amplified instruments, like electronic stuff, began to be used. And of course, it was not the same stuff that we have today in terms of electronic instruments, mm -hmm. but it was, it was really a practical thing. And I didn't even know that. I didn't know that that was one of the reasons why they kind of shrunk down those giant orchestras. It's kind of interesting with the electric guitar because like, I think about the electric guitar, for some reason, something about electric instruments, I think of them as a totally separate category from whatever mm -hmm. instrument they're based off of. Like, an electric guitar sounds nothing like an acoustic guitar. At this point, yeah, an electric it's so different. violin doesn't sound like a regular violin, an electric cello doesn't sound like a regular cello. There's just a certain kind of edge to it that doesn't exist anywhere else, and I think it's the classic rock sound. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it's crazy to me to think that, you know, the electric guitar dates, or even the keyboard, you know, dates back to, you know, like about the 1950s, 1960s. Um, obviously a very primitive form of what we now know as an electric guitar, but still a lot of stuff was being, was happening at that point. Right, mm. exactly. And uh, when you think of the typical rock and roll sound from this area, you may be thinking of Chuck Berry because he is mm -hmm. one of the original people to take what's called jump blues. It's kind of like ding-a-ding-a-ding-a-ding, mm -hmm. you know, like that sort of, um, that bass sound and take it and, from a piano to an electric guitar. So he took those kind of like bass lines and put it on a guitar and it really kind of, I mean, it's instantly recognizable. Uh -huh. And he was so influential. Uh, a lot of people argue over who was the first rock and roll record. Uh, some people say it was Sister Rosetta Tharp's uh, Strange Things Happening Every Day. But then there's a lot of people who, you know, they say The Fat Man by Fats Domino, oh, Rock the Joint. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's All Right by Arthur Crudup, and then also you'll know Rock Around the Clock. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then some people say that Elvis had the first. I think that was probably a little earlier than Elvis. Yeah, so. it's, it's definitely. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's there's argument over it, but I think that it was a, the end of the 40s. It was really when yeah. the very first rock and roll records came out. Early 50s, into the 40s. And also, like, I, like you said, there's a lot of similarity between, like, blues jump mm -hmm. blues r&b like there's a lot of crossover mm -hmm. like we talked about last week so it's like how do we dif like how do you differentiate between like blues and rock because oh, there's a lot of over. like if it's upbeat blues it kind of magically becomes rock so like absolutely yeah and and it's interesting because there was no like this is the first rock song it sounds different than everything else like no even like even when we get to elvis like he he used bits of country he used pieces of gospel he used like i mean well we're about to talk about it rockabilly is is what we call the genre of elvis jerry lee lewis carl perkins johnny cash of some of his songs um elvis was highly influenced by blues like you said like bb king bats domino chuck berry um and rockabilly has this kind of it's like a perfect crossover like genre because it's between blues and rock 
Uh, if you've listened to Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash. Classic. Blue Suede Shoes, Heartbreak Hotel. Um, these were classic rockabilly songs. And it was a very complicated time for race and music, as you may know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, many early rock and roll hits were white covers of black R&B or blues songs, rebranded because black people singing was taboo on white radio stations, but then they realized rock and roll was going to be po- uh, profitable, so they had white people sing it. Um, Elvis covered songs that were originally recorded by black artists, but then some of those songs were written by white people and then some of them weren't. And so mm-hmm. there's a huge, like, there's so much like controversy in that. Um, and also songwriting credits were often unreliable. Sometimes people yeah. would brand it as being by a white person when it was a black person or vice versa. So there's a lot of like, you know, controversy around, you know, where did this sound really come from? Yeah. The music industry, and I've done some research on it, like at other times, like the music industry in the forties and fifties was a freaking mess. Like, first of all, I, we, I think we've talked about this a little bit when we talked about pop, like even back in the thirties and forties, it was very common for a song, like a songwriter would write a song and then sell it to like mm-hmm. 10 artists. It's like, you'd hear an elephant's Gerald version of a song and then you'd hear a Frank Sinatra version and you'd hear a Bing Crosby yeah. version. That was, you know, we get the classic jazz standards. That was a normal way to do things. Right. It wasn't like Ella's just released an exclusive song. Right. Like, like she released a song, but like anybody else could have sung it too. And then you get into like, you know, um, Sister Rosetta Tharp or Big Mama Thornton singing like the, the, the classic thing that people always want to say is like, uh, Hound Dog, you know, mm-hmm. that's one of Elvis's well-known songs. And it's like, oh, you know, well, that was Big Mama Thornton's song. And it's like, yeah, she definitely performed it first. And yeah, it's a, it's a real shame that she only got, I think adjusted for inflation, maybe half a million dollars for it, which is not bad. But I mean, Elvis made it 10 times that much. And um, and um, because his his was marketed was marketed better than hers. But um, but even that song wasn't written by black people. It was written by two Jewish guys. So <laughs> yeah, the, it was such a different time in terms of like how music was came up through different artists. And definitely like I think you hit it like it was marketing it, it was how much an artist got promoted and obviously Elvis was getting promoted more yeah. than these other artists sometimes when a, when a white person would cover it then people would love the song enough that they would start playing the original black version of it because they were like oh somebody else did it first I think that Lil um, and you might get into this but when we um, Little Richard alluded to this, which, you know, Little Richard only recently passed away. I, think, this I know, year, which, yeah. To me, like, the craziest thing to, about rock to me is the fact that there has been so much evolution within the genre, and the genre itself is only about 80 years old. Yeah, Like, absolutely. there are people alive today that were original rockers. So we had Little Richard, who only just now, like, recently died, but he had said that um, he his song, um, Tutti Frutti, mm-hmm. you know, he said he was both frustrated and kind of grateful that Elvis had taken it yeah. and made his version because like on the one hand it was annoying that he took my song and right. like made a lot of money off right. it and most people credited him for it but on the other nobody would have listened to my record or not as many people would have listened to my record if Elvis hadn't popularized it right <laughs> right exactly it was all about access I think too like people having the access to the audience um, and unfortunately the the black audiences were not like white audiences were were higher um, pro- more profitable and like in higher esteem by the record companies, and so they would pour more money into it. But mm-hmm. you know that that changed over time. Um, so you know this was the fifties, right? So by nineteen fifty nine, some scholars say that this is a decline in rock, like obviously not the end of rock, but um, 
when Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and the Big Bopper died in a plane crash, and then Elvis went to the military, and Little Richard retired to become a preacher, which I didn't know he did. Oh, yeah, that was, he went through some weird phases. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis married his 13-year-old cousin. Um, (laughs) Some things kind of slowed down a little bit. A lot of the the major figures in rock and roll were were not necessarily making rock and roll. and these more raw sounds, like when you think about that kind of like almost a little bit of gravel in those early kind of blues rock sounds, those were going out and more polished sounds were coming in. So we had like surf rock, girl groups, uh, teen idols, um, <laughs> these young young teenage guys Dion. or young, yeah. We who talked were, about him during the pop episode. Right. I'm the type of guy. <laughs> yeah, they were like coming in and, and people were swooning over them and, <laughs> And so that, that rock and roll sound was kind of going out. Um, but by the early 60s, we had the British invasion. Hey. So, you know, in England, the Beatles, the Searchers, Herman's Hermits, the Animals, the Kinks, they were getting big. Obviously, the biggest one out of those is the Beatles. Um, oh, I've never heard of them. What are they the Beatles, oh, they were this band. Um, they were the number one best-selling rock band of all time. Um, they were my first favorite band. You can love the Beatles. You can hate the Beatles. But they were pretty influential. Absolutely. Um, their first appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show on the 9th of February, 1964, drew an estimated 73 million viewers for 64. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's and it's, people that only had TVs for about five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Uh, I, I, I will say, if you get the chance, watch Ron Howard's documentary on the Beatles oh, eight I days a week. Absolutely. I mean... You will, it will absolutely change your, the way that you think about the Beatles in terms of like their touring years because it's about their touring years. Um, just to see how they were just mobbed by people. Um, I, I, I gained more respect for their, you know, them as these young men who had a lot of influence. Um, so British bands kind of derailed the prevailing bestsellers for a while because. These, you know, surf rock, like the Beach Boys had, uh, you know, charted with surfing, which you would know um, Mm -hmm. uh, in 1962. And it's made surf music this phenomenon. But by the time, you know, 1964 rolled around, the British bands were coming in. And so it kind of derailed these um, surf rock groups, these, you know, uh, teen idols. Obviously, the Beach Boys weren't derailed forever. It just kind of, like, knocked things uh, awry a little bit because, you know, American artists hadn't expected this huge influx of of British popularity. Um, But then uh, in the 60s, rock started to branch out a little bit. We had blues rock. Um, We had the Rolling Stones. We had Eric Clapton. Then we had the folk side, Woody Guthrie, Pete Seeger, Joan Baez, and Bob Dylan, where they were writing more folksy, um, you know, you know, Bob Dylan's kind of gravelly sound that came back, um, poetry, (laughs) you know, yeah, very kind of like uh, earthy. Um, then we had psychedelic rock on the other hand, uh, Jimi Hendrix, um, yeah, uh, Jefferson airplane, the grateful dead. And then, you know, by the time you get to the seventies, you've got Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. 
I know I've told this story. Did I tell this story about how I used to listen to the CD and I had my Walkman with the CD player and I had the headphones and one side of it died yes. and then, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah so, well, yeah, I don't know yeah, if you told yeah. it on the, on the podcast. You've told me personally. Well, but <laughs> the, uh, I, I thought that a lot of the tracks on Sgt. Pepper were instrumentals because I couldn't hear the vocals. <laughs> hear the but anyway. <laughs> but, you know, coming, but before we get out of the 60s and 70s, I noticed, I think at that point, uh, Rock also was getting more, like, overtly political some of it was it was starting like, to absolutely like we had i mean obviously a psychedelic rack where people were just chilling you know being on drugs but we also had a lot of protest songs coming from like jimmy hendrix and yeah um some of the bob dylan you know some of these other people and if you haven't listened to uh purple haze jimmy hendrix um it's one of the best songs of all time i would absolutely um if you if you haven't listened to a lot of Jimi Hendrix, and honestly, I'm listening to these also, people. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I would also recommend his version of um, uh, the national anthem. Oh really? Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's like awesome. he played it. He was at I think it was for a sporting event or something like that. So he mm-hmm. played it. But the cool thing was I think it was during the Vietnam War, either immediately before or after. But he kind of played it up like a protest song, even though he was oh, just playing wow. it. But he like when he said "Land of the Free," like when he played "Land of the Free," mm-hmm. he made um, he. Um, imitated air raid sirens and bombs going off and stuff like Dang, that. Dude. It was really cool. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm going to have to look that up. Um, and to be totally honest, like some of these names, like I am still learning about because this is a, you know, generation that, you know, I know a lot of these artists, but I am, you know, still kind of educating myself too. Um, and, you know, coming out of the psychedelic rock, then we had progressive rock. Um, this is the era where you would work in like baroque stuff into your into your uh, recording. So like prog rock, yeah. The Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and the Beach Boys had songs that had harpsichords, winds, strings. <laughs> if you've heard the a day in, in a day in the life on Sgt. Pepper by the Beatles, it is this swelling like epic song um, that is so not like their early stuff. It's not twist and shout or you know dizzy Miss Lizzie. It's like it's this they they really started to get into these um much much esoteric. more orca- yeah <laughs> weirdly kind of sometimes unapproachable yeah. esoteric orchestral sounds and you start to hear a little bit of david bowie in there like you know very early but you you can start to get those hints of that sort of theatric sound mm-hmm. um but then like progressive rock you had like the kinks pink floyd um frank zappa jethro tull and genesis um you know, then you had like the pop rock with Boston Foreigner, Kansas Journey, Sticks, these um, rock, classic rock, but they still had a little bit of that kind of edge to them where it was like some more interesting. It wasn't just, you know, rock and roll where it was like, you know, um, the chorus verse, you know, um, chorus verse. It was a little bit more conceptual. Um, I love Boston. I have been into Boston a lot more the last couple of years um, just because I find their stuff so interesting. I feel the same way about Sticks, obviously. Um, but you had this kind of like on one side, the eclectic and innovative and then a little bit more pop rock on the other side of progressive rock. What about Queen? What about we're getting Queen? to Queen. We're getting to Queen. Okay, so now we're really into the 70s, right? So you had Roots Rock. You had Creedence Clearwater Revival. You had Leonard Skinner. That I spelled their name wrong in my notes really bad. I put an M in there. Leonard Skinner. I don't know how to spell it. And then, of course, you had Glam Rock, right? So you have David Bowie. You have Iggy Pop. 
you have Elton John, you have Queen, and this is the truly theatrical, operatic, um, gay AF, <laughs> gay, glamorous <laughs> storytelling of, you know, uh, albums like A Night at the Opera, and you had um, these just like really interesting new things that are being introduced to rock. So if you really think about it, like, I mean, even from like the Beatles, like uh, uh, with the Beatles, I think is what it's called. The, something that like traditional, it was almost like you could hear the four guy teen idol boy band sound in their early stuff. And within 10 years, we've already gotten to this progressive glamorous rock that has completely stretched beyond the bounds of something like Twist and Shout, which Twist and Shout, amazing song. But like, we've gone so far beyond that in 10 years. So like you said, like, it, it just was completely growing faster than anybody had ever expected. Um, and then there's also Chicano Rock, Carlos Santana, Al Hurricane at this time too. Um, and we're starting to get into the divide between soft and hard rock. And it sort of went into uh, uh, two paths diverging. Um, oh. With soft rock, you had Carole King, uh, James Taylor, Billy Joel, Fleetwood Mac. James things Taylor, Taylor counts as rock? That's what they said oh, when My I was reading about it. James Taylor. I only ever hear him like, around Christmas, but he's the most like chilling. Very oh, chill, right? <laughs> I don't know why I would call that. Like adult contemporary? Maybe not rock, that's for sure. Well, you know, that's why they call it soft rock. I would call Billy Joel a little more... Oh, I mean, he's not hard rock, but... Yeah, I know. He's not he's, hard, but I mean, I guess he's more rock. I don't know. I just I think of like 80s so. music. Yeah. Well, when we get into, like, I mean, you know, you've got kind of Fleetwood Mac where it's like they had a little bit edgier stuff and then they had a lot softer stuff. Um, and then you got heavy metal. So you have Led Zeppelin, Judas Priest, Black Sabbath, Motorhead, Kiss, you know, these mm -hmm. much more. And honestly, a lot of these groups I would still call very theatric, you know, yeah. very theatrical. They've got, you know, you've got groups with the whole makeup and yeah. the big hair and the intensity on the blood on the stage like we're not that far away from the kind of theatrics of queen it's just a different flavor a basically. different kind of theatrics. where does like uh rolling stones fall into that i would call them they had some songs that were almost more bluesy they had very edgy stuff that was pushing way beyond what the beatles were doing um i would pro probably call them like i the articles i were i was reading some of them called them like a, they had some blues rock songs but then i would almost call them more uh, progressive glam mm. later when they had the you know the much more kind of like edgy like blah, you know moves out like there stuff. <laughs> moves like Jagger yeah because through all of this you know there's that whole through line of popular culture reacting to this and saying this is satanic like mm -hmm. if you love Jesus you cannot listen to rock and roll there like was there's the famous messages sex in drugs and rock and roll you know mm -hmm. there was the famous um, congressional hearings about the um, labeling parental yes. advisement labels where um, one of the lead singers for one of the bands and of course it's all, it's all no it's fine slipping through my mind i have to look this up real quick because i recently posted about it on my facebook but but um he is known for like being one of the hair metal bands uh people and um he made he made a congressional speech which you can still watch today it was very eloquent kind of talking about the um the uh congressional attempts at censorship right and um because that was a big thing at that point this whole the satanic trying, panic and all that kind of stuff yeah it's like we were trying to decide what we were going to allow in music and what we were going to allow for for children and 
you know, if you had to be a certain age to buy things. And, you know, some of it was, I would say, I mean, I don't think it was necessarily satanic. Some of it was definitely, there were bands that were pushing more, like, darker and darker themes. Um, and, you know, as we get into, like, harder and harder metal, like, of course, there's there's darker themes there. But, I mean, then there were some people who were like, you know, the Beatles are satanic and they have secret messages. And if you listen to their records backwards, you will be under the thrall of Satan. Like, uh, it was a panic. It was absolutely. D. Snyder. Okay. D. Snyder, who was with, uh, which band? Uh, the people are screaming at me right now, the ones who know it already. Ah, but <laughs> no, <you should laughs> I'm know. sorry, just give me a second. He was the... Twisted Sister, that's Twisted what it is. Sister. Yeah, and um, so yeah, I, re- I highly recommend if you're just interested in seeing kind of that piece of what history. Was his, like, this name? is how he showed up at the congressional oh, hearing. the big curly yeah. hair. <laughs> the big, the big hair. Hair metal. So what but, was his main point? Well, that? his main point was that, you know, well, first of all, that Tipper Gore, who was leading the whole, like, you know, morality charge or whatever, uh, was, like, grossly misrepresenting a lot of what the lyrics said. Well, one of her lyrics, well, one of her arguments, Tipper Gore was saying that one of his songs, shut up, was about, <laughs> was about um, uh, BDSM and like and so he basically went through all of the well first of all he kind of introduced himself and he was like because Dee Snyder is a really stand-up guy and he's still alive and he's uh he's been married for like 40 years he's got grandkids you know and mm-hmm. he was saying the thing he's like look I'm a Christian I'm like a you know a good person I'm not like a you know devil worshiper or anything I'm just like making music and none of these lyrics that you're talking like you're taking you're taking it out of context she took like two halves of a different song or whatever and he was yeah. basically like the only sadism and masochism that could exist in these lyrics exist in Tipper Gore's mind. And I'm like, it takes a lot of guts to tell Tipper Gore that she's just being horny. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, ma'am. You're being horny. (laughs) But yeah, it was, it was very, it was just very intriguing kind of, first of all, just him coming into the congressional hearing with like dressed in leather, head to toe, big curly hair, you know, looking like a crazy rocker, but then like speaking really eloquently, really well-spoken, really just, you know, like, Hey, this is the situation. And like, you know, it was a very impressive thing. Exactly. And like, I think that, you know, some of the, some of the, the themes that people were hearing may have been, you know, in their own mind. (laughs) The call is coming from inside the house. Yeah. Because so much of it was like new and people didn't know how to handle this like really intense sound. Um, So once you get past like the kind of 80s, well, we're still sort of in the 80s, but you know, you have heavy metal, then you have punk rock. So you have the Ramones, Patti Smith, the Sex Pistols, the Clash. Then you get into like Blondie, Talking Heads, the Cars, the Go Go's. Um, these are, you know, I'm going to be honest, this is an era that I don't know that much about. I would love to learn more about it. And a lot of people like this is their favorite era of rock. Um, I just, you know, have spent more time in the kind of like, uh, bigger hair metal, like I was saying, Boston and Journey and everything, and then also like the early rock and roll, so like the Beatles and the Beach Boys. But um, like a lot of the songs of from these artists were on, like not the in, like more intense ones, but like the more like child friendly ones <laughs> were on the playlist at the toy store I used to work at. So I listened to some of these songs over and over and over because they were just like my boss's favorite. Um, but anyway, yeah, and then you have like the Velvet Underground, Sushi, Susie and the Ban- uh, Susie and the Banshees, and Joy Division. Um, so these are like the forerunners of what we would call, you know, pop punk later. Um, and I'm going to talk about that, obviously. <laughs> um, U2 came out of post-punk. Hmm. And they were, sense. you know, more arena punk. But, you know, they they did have some songs with some pretty intense themes, and especially regarding like the 
the violence in Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. and um, th- they were influenced by those bands. On the other side of the spectrum, totally, we have Heartland Rock, which was like Middle America, Bruce Springsteen, Tom Petty. Like I want to, I love to be Boss. an American. <laughs> um, you know, very different. It's not you're not you're gonna see blood on the stage. Uh-huh. That, that you know, on I'm purpose. Like old fashioned grandpa type rock, but you know, like I know some people who love Bruce Springsteen. I uh, nope, not my favorite, but. Nope. I, that may be sacrilege to some uh, people. I don't know, man. I'm sorry. The big boss. Yeah, the people who love Bruce Springsteen love Bruce Springsteen. They but do. I, you know, no disrespect. Well, that's what people are about you, too, yeah. as well. I don't know. Well, people either love or hate Bono. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I most think, people kind of hate him, actually. I think Bono, you know, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he has done some good things. I think oh, he I is think a he benevolent man. I think that people, Not my favorite voice in the world. No. And I think that people's whole beef with Bono is that he seems a little bit, um, uh, full of himself, like he helps people, but Messiah. like to like you know, like look at how what a good person I am. And some people get yeah. a little. I mean, remember that time? And this is throwback for you. Do you remember the time that you two took it upon themselves to download their album to everybody's iPhone? Yeah, their album just showed up on your iPod, <laughs> no like matter WTF. whether you wanted it or not. <laughs> oh, that was that uh, was weird. I can't believe Apple let them do that. <laughs> And I can't believe, like, they really thought, like, nobody, like, they were like, nobody you know, knew. oh, we're being super generous about this. And, like, uh, half the people, like, we didn't want a YouTube album, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bono. Like, the next day, Apple had to release instructions on how you can remove it from your phone. And I don't know if it worked, because to this day, not necessarily on the phone I had now, but on the iPod that I had, or the whatever, the first iPhone I had, I would be playing, like, I would be playing music, and then randomly some U2 song that I don't want to listen to, and never was interested in, will pop up. In fact, I wonder if it's still on my phone. I'll look it up right now. It's just not great marketing to push your album yeah, onto people's literally phones. literally force a bunch of people to listen to your album. Like, uh, come on. <laughs> so, you know, once you get into, uh, you get kind of post-punk, you get that kind of alt-rock and grunge sound. And things get a little sadder, a yeah, little darker. Here. Oh, wow. It's she's still, still got it's it still here. still on my phone. I didn't mean, like, I tried to remove it before, but it's still on my freaking phone. <laughs> oh, well, I think I deleted it immediately. <laughs> I didn't want it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely tried to. <laughs> It's locked in. It's just locked in. I'm just trapped to hear YouTube forever. Because last year I put my whole library on shuffle, and then here comes Bono, and I'm like, bruh. (laughs) Bruh. Um, So, like, with, like, the kind of sadder all-rock, you've got The Smiths, The Cure, R.E.M. I don't like R.E.M. That's another band that people absolutely (laughs) love. Um, and we then you ourselves have, all kinds of hate right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Then you have grunge, so you have Nirvana, you have um, I mean, Soundgarden, Nirvana. you have Alice in Chains. So you're getting this kind of like grungy. You can almost see where emo comes out of this because if anybody was emo, I mean, like, this is a lot more vulnerable songs. They're still intense, they're still rock songs, but they're like about depression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Especially stuff from coming from um, yeah. Nirvana. So speaking of emo, once you get into the 1990s, you've got early pop punk. So you have Blink 182, hey. Weezer, Green Day, and then that turns into 2000 Check, pop yes, punk. Check yes, Julia. Now this is getting into my jams yeah, here. Well, you all know I love Fallout Boy. So uh, good Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good Charlotte, Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco, Paramore, All Time Love, yes. and of course my Chemical Romance classic MCR, emo band. Paramore. Oh, hey. Williams, I love you. Yeah, some 41, some will plan. So, you know, you've moved from, some you know, and some people are, wants to <laughs> Hey, no, that's not pop punk. Uh, uh, they, they like to think of themselves as. 
Well, that's a Shrek song, so it speaks to my You'll soul. Always be the Shrek song. Sorry, Shrek song. Um, I think that like pop punk, like people were like, "Oh, you went mainstream. You're not real punk anymore." Mm-hmm. You know, I think some of the themes are, you know, they're a little lighter, but are they necessarily not real punk? I don't think so. I just think it's a different genre. I think it's a different type of punk. Um, it's not quite as grungy it's not quite as dark it's a little more polished it's a little more mainstream but before uh, there's did, some great there's some great stuff in there did you get did you just, when we talked about punk in the 90s did you mention um rage against the machine no i did not yeah uh, that's like very early 90s punk like yeah. very aggressive i remember recently that there had been like this little snafu or whatever when like the guy on the lead singer on twitter had said something about black lives matter or whatever and some random person commented they were like why is everything gonna be political i'm like yeah the band is called rage against the machine they've and always just about been every single song they've released has been aggressively leftist and political in fact the lead singer tweeted back he's like please point out which songs of ours in our catalog are not political so that i can remove them immediately <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly they were raging against the machine that's yeah, the point you all won't do what you tell me i mean they were not playing around they literally had a whole song about how cops are pigs like come on now <laughs> Yeah, if anybody's going to be political, it's them. It's absolutely them. Um, Yeah, so, you know, moving into today, like, you have, like, there's some different, there's a few different other, like, you know, offshoots. So there's, like, uh, hip-hop metal, which would be, or, uh, like, maybe hip-hop rock. So you've got, like, Run DMC and the Beastie Boys. Um, Rico Nasty. Yeah, Rico Nasty. I mean, she's kind of done, incorporated rock A little bit. Yeah, you're right, you're right, she has. Um, and you've got then you this new kind of rock, which is like, I don't even know what you would call it, post-punk. You've got like the Strokes and the Killers and the Arctic Monkeys and Franz Ferdinand. You've got people who are, you know, they're just more a little more radio friendly. I say that even though like these have always been played on the radio, maybe just not in the top 40. But um, it's just some people say rock is dead. Like, I don't know if yeah. rock is dead. I think that rock in what the old the old guard would call rock is dead yeah sure we don't have we don't have journey anymore but we have a different kind of rock because people were probably saying rock is dead when we moved from the beatles to you know uh pink floyd or Mm -hmm. whatever i like i think that every generation of rock is going to be like oh this is not the old it's not what i had or you hear one of your favorite songs on a classic rock station (laughs) reality like a truck (laughs) you're like i can't believe this is classic rock now like no um so you know i know i i know that was a lot of different people a lot of different bands but i i find it very helpful to kind of move through time and and have these um bands associated with different movements so you can kind of see the growth of the of the genre you know and and one thing you may notice as i uh walked through these bands is that they're all men um all of them were men Most of them were white. white. I mean, I did talk about Blondie. I did talk about Fleetwood Mac and Joan Baez, but that was almost it. Um, So you know, it it's like after. I mean, the thing. I mean, yes, they're all men, which is which is a whole different conversation. But also, I can't help but notice that after about 1960, it was very white yeah absolutely like and i think that that's what makes the history of rock kind of a tragedy to me because it's like yeah rock has has had so many branches and been so many things and become so many things over the years through its evolution but through its evolution 
it literally was born off the backs of black artists and then in addition to hardly ever giving them their props and their proper credit it, like took it from them like mm-hmm. these days i mean i was like i forget what his name was but he was black i was kind of talking about you know it's really ironic that if i say i'm a fan of rock today someone will be like oh you're trying to act white like you're being white or whatever because people associate rock and roll mm-hmm. with white people like straight up like, like you know, how many black rock bands name name five name one i mean like there's not that many black rock bands like nobody thinks of black people as mm-hmm. being rockers mm-hmm. which i think is a darn shame because it's like i mean it's one thing when you have a genre like country which is also aggressively white and was marked marketed to be so but like it was developed off of like blues like okay there was blues and then they said okay well we'll just make that but for white people we'll call it country right but rock to me it kind of pisses me off when i think like there a lot of the early rock and rollers you had big mama thornton you had sister rosetta tharp you had little richard you had chuck berry you had all of these people putting in the work and having you know being rock stars and within 20 years their legacy was almost all but erased and now there's some breakthroughs i mean you've got prince that kind of thing you've got michael jackson who's more pop but he's had rock elements i think prince pretty firmly falls in the rock category somewhere but like you know but that just a few and far between just a couple of a couple of individuals have managed to break through Mm -hmm. but it has become an aggressively white and yes an aggressively male genre and it's just like come on (laughs) like why it should be a lot more inclusive than that (laughs) and you know i i don't want to uh you know eliminate any current you know people black people who are doing rock well right now oh yeah um because there are still people who are in this genre there are black metal people there are black rock people and and palace burns yeah good black metal band or at least that's black uh singer lead singer yeah Um. it is there there are people in these genres who have been doing the work it's just that the the biggest over the years a lot of these bands have not had any kind of representation for black people or for women and you know does that mean that it is that there aren't great songs throughout these genres no but there are there's a lack of a perspective just Mm -hmm. because there you know you can't have a full perspective in a genre that has been historically white male Mm -hmm. you know um you can have a specific, a, a, a wide, you know, wide variety of perspectives. Obviously, Bob Dylan is different than, you know, Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you're just never going to have anything but a male perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, is there room in w- for, you know, women in rock now? Yeah, it's just, I just don't think that rock is going to look the same as it always has. And I don't think that we have to go back to what it was, necessarily. I think that it can, like, any genre continued to improve. Mm-hmm. And and continue to expand. We do have. Uh, you mentioned Haley Williams. We also had Gwen Stefani. Does some sense? Yeah, on, on yeah, she had some. No, no doubt. Um, yes, yeah, so we have. You know, some some uh, handful of exceptions. But yeah, I think moving into the current day, like I said, I mentioned Rico Nasty. I really. I mean, if you listen to some of Rico Nasty stuff, some of it is straight rock. Yeah. Like she has some songs where she's not even really rapping. It's just straight yeah. rock. And so I'm like, I really think that she has. She clearly has a lot of rock influence and is mm-hmm. interested in that kind of style. She's addressed it before. You know, she's like addressed the whole idea that you know you can't be goth and emo and like and a rapper and a, and yeah. a rock person and be you know black like that's crazy and she's kind of you know put her middle finger up to those sort of mores yeah and um i think that that's awesome i really think it's really cool to see more and more people kind of genre bend like that because i feel like we need fresh voices and fresh perspectives you know we've got all of these diverse palettes of rock and yet it's all just a diversity of white male perspectives right exactly <laughs> exactly yeah, I think like that is. Uh, I think that probably that is the future. Is 
is innovating it within, you know, with mixing other genres with, you know, uh, especially, I, I think that there's a f- more of a future with rap and rock together. I mm-hmm. think that's very exciting. I think there's a lot of cool stuff that could happen yeah, there. Yeah, you could there. More queer rep, too. I mean, obviously, we've, yeah. got, El- we've got our Elton Johns and our uh, Freddie Mercury's, but um, a little bit more with the uh, with the variety, I suppose. And, like, 80s gay is a lot different than today because they couldn't really be super open about it. Um, yeah. And, um, and uh, but, yeah, I think that there's surely some gay rockers out there that are, you know, doing their thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think like there's, there's definitely been more indie rock recently. Um, like somebody like the white, you know, band like the white stripes, you know, that's definitely got more indie rock in it. Yeah. Okay. Go. Um, and working those things together where it's not so like, it, they're, they're moving away, they're moving towards pop rock, basically. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily metal, it's not something like that. It's more like, um, it's more radio-friendly, like The Killers is always going to be radio-friendly. Um, despite the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, despite the name. Um, but yeah, uh, do you have any favorite rock groups? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, throughout history I've got, you know... I love Queen. I mean, Queen is at the top of the list, pretty much. I love Queen. I love everything that Queen has yeah. done. I am in love with Freddie Mercury. I love the band. They still tour, which is crazy. Yeah. It's just the two of them left, but still, uh, yeah, love Queen. Um, I have not, I've never been a huge Beatles fan, but they have made work that I've enjoyed. I mean, I can't, you know, um, mm-hmm. I can't say that they've never made songs that I've liked. Um, I mentioned OK Go. They're, I, lo- I really like indie rock groups. I really do enjoy OK Go. Um, if you haven't ever checked out their music videos on YouTube, pretty much all of their music videos have some kind of really cool angle or twist to them, and they're very fascinating to watch. I show them to my kids all the time. I'm a music teacher, and I show them to my students, and they really enjoy them a lot. Um, Rico Nasty. I'm just going to go ahead and include her. Um, I, um, Paramore. I like Paramore. Uh, Fall Out Boy. Um, Good Charlotte's had a few songs that I've liked. Um, the ones, oh gosh, Bowling for Soup has had some songs that I like. Mm-hmm. I like it. I love all that, like, early 2000s punk. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, you know, it just takes me back. Um, so yeah, those, there's so, those are some groups that I like. What about you? Um, I love Fall Out Boy. I love the Arctic Monkeys. Um, Arctic Monkeys is just, I mean, it's kind of like a, I don't know why it's like a fall band for me. I always listen to them in the fall. Um, but, I mean, AM is probably one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, and they're, if you don't know Arctic Monkeys, they are a British group. They did um, kind they, I think AM was 2013 or 15. Um, and it's just kind of this new rock. It's, it's definitely more... Um, indie rock it's not got kind of like squealing guitars and stuff necessarily although some of their older stuff was a little more but there's such a like i don't know their early days was were so like the beatles to me where it was like just these four like scruffy british guys who didn't like they just didn't quite know what they were doing like um that kind of like we aren't necessarily in the system yet and of course like They've grown up. They've grown up quite a bit, but um, they had that kind of really raw quality early on. Um, what do you feel about Green Day? Oh, I love Green Day. I mean, Green Day, talk about a political band. Very, oh. very vocal. Um, and, I mean, they are so prolific. The amount mm-hmm. of work they've put out. <laughs> Even a Broadway musical. Insane. <laughs> um, 
you know, I think that they're great. I I had 21 guns on my first iPod. I had 20, Wake Me Up When September Ends. A classic. Um, they're they're absolutely classic. Weezer is the same in terms of their you know they they're very prolific. They've made so many. They're kind of like dad rock now, because mm-hmm. um, like. I think um, the lead singer's on TikTok, um, <laughs> which is kind of a dad thing to do. Um, but it's also like they were, you know, they were very important in the sort of like pop punk, like um, Jimmy Eat World kind of time where it was like, you know, just talking about like, I hate this town. I hate my, I hate my parents. Yeah. I get to eat pizza on oh, skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> just takes it. They don't want to do that in the middle or whatever. Jimmy Eat World. Oh yes, just the middle. take some time. Little gig in the middle of the right. I remember the first time I listened to that, I was on an airplane, and I was like, "This is amazing! <laughs> this is a great song!" <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, and then you know, like uh, I, I, I really like a lot of the songs on the Beach Boys. Um, Pet oh, yeah, Sounds. Boys <laughs> it's one of their one of the best albums ever, and you know. They, uh, they uh, I think these groups like that I had they had such chemistry they had such great um kind of synchronicity they would work together so well that their music doesn't has not aged in a way that some of these other groups yeah. has it still sounds Californian very Californian well, yeah consider yeah. I mean so the southern the southern rock influence of most of the bands you've got the Beach Boys they well call nobody the Beach Boys, surfs down and here and they're so. harmonic and they're like very harmonic you know close harmony group and yeah. they're just like very very California boys like yeah if you surf in the south, it's fine. I yeah. don't want to know. <laughs> Thank you, though. That's like not a thing that I've I've never seen that. <laughs> like, I guess you could probably surf off the coast of Kirsch of North Carolina. Kirsch of North Carolina, yeah, but I've never seen a surfer. On I'm so lady. scared of surfing. I never want to do it. I'm so scared of the I ocean. I love like this is totally unrelated, but it, every time I think surfing, I think like that scene in uh, Finding Nemo. No, uh, the Lilo and Stitch. I wasn't finding Lilo. My brain is finding short-circuiting. Lilo, um, Lilo Crossover. and Stitch, where they're like, where they do the Hawaiian roller coaster ride, right? and yeah. they're like, going, it's like beautiful. Just like, oh, like the imagery is so gorgeous. I'm, like, I'm sure I would fall on my butt, but like, I love the idea of being able to like yeah. surf through the waves. Uh, like I know. That. I like the idea as well. <laughs> the reality is so scary to me. I'm so scared of the ocean. Help. Um, anyway, yeah, I um, I don't know what I'm talking about surfing, but um, <laughs> surfing you, you know, say. surf rock. Surf rock, um, but anyway, yeah, I think like um, I think there's room for rock to continue to grow. I just think that it's gonna have to expand beyond. You know, we can't just have the killers light over and over and over. No. Um, so yeah, yeah. Well, that sounds like um, a pretty good overview of you know the vast. Like, so we didn't get into metal. Maybe we'll have a. Maybe we'll talk about that at some other point. But, um, but yeah, very because then even with metal, you've got a whole bunch of different subgenres of metal. Absolutely, black metal, death metal, not the same thing. Um, right, like, they're different. Like, um, yeah, just a very very complex history. And if but, I didn't mention one of your favorite bands, I'm sorry. There's you so should many... let us know on Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, nicely, just comment. Um, and interact and engage with our socials. <laughs> there's so many different people to talk about and there's so many different subgenres. Um, I could barely talk about them all. And I, you know, rock is so uh, wide, like just like there's so many different flavors of it. Um, and I, as that's why you really couldn't touch on everything. But um I hope I gave you a good, a kind of like an overview of where it came from and how we even got here with rock. Um, like Aaron said, like it really, really grew in such a short period of time when you think about it, you know, when you, when you look at how fast um, things were progressing, especially between 
like 1959 and 1975. Yeah, we're literally talking about an 80-year history of an insane amount of growth A lot of music, a lot, and a lot of growth. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Do you have a tea fact for us? I do have a tea fact for you. Um, It is widely understood that there are around 1,500 known varieties of tea. However, the exact possible number of variations is almost limitless. Whoa. Like, oh lots God. of teas to be Galaxy made out there, folks. Brain. <laughs> I can't even imagine how much tea that is. So much different tea. And speaking of teas, I am drinking a chocolate mint tea, and Evangeline is being sacrilegious, and she's drinking coffee. I just really want like coffee, guys. Shay, <laughs> instant coffee. It. Not even the good stuff. <laughs> Stop. My parents listen to this. They'll disown me. <laughs> Look, okay, instant coffee is fast. I don't have to turn on the coffee pot, and it gives me that, that taste I crave. <laughs> in the evening so why do you want to be like <laughs> i know it's decaf oh okay, okay it's well, decaf okay. and sick so sue me i don't care i was i just like it look i'm so addicted to coffee that i have to have the taste the, the sweet taste in my mouth the <laughs> i just snort the grounds <laughs> Look, I just love coffee. I'm a coffee fan. Don't kill me. I love tea too. Don't get me wrong. Hot tea, hot coffee, hot, hot takes. takes. Right, exactly. Lukewarm coffee, lukewarm takes. It is lukewarm at this point. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I hope you guys have a good week. Um, She's all out of coffee. I'm not, yeah. I'm still slurping it though. Slurp. Oh, Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>